Welcome back to HodgePodge. I'm your host, Allison Quackwitz. Today's guest is Paul Attaway, the author of Blood in the Low Country. Paul retired from a 30-year business career in Arizona and moved across the country to Charleston, South Carolina, back to his southern roots, where he published his debut novel. Paul is currently immersing himself in Charleston culture, busy writing his second book, and defining what it means to be a writer. He shares his story of transitioning from working in the traditional business world to becoming a successful self-published author and how others can do the same. Listen to my inspirational conversation with Paul here on HodgePodge. Welcome to HodgePodge, Paul. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so thrilled to have you on today to talk about your journey to publishing your best-selling novel, Blood in the Low Country. I love the title, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. It, um, it, it was surprising how difficult it was just to even come up with the title, uh, <laughs> but I, um, I like it too. Yes, it's it's very catchy, and I love any low country tale. So, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and and what led you to publishing Blood in the Low Country. Well, uh, uh, you know, fifty seven years old. Uh, I was born and raised in the South in Atlanta, Georgia, um, but I, you know, moved to Phoenix, Arizona back in nineteen eighty eight and married and. My wife and I lived there for 32 years or so, raised three children, and they're all grown and out of the house now. Um, And we began to visit Charleston back in about 2010 when one of our daughters attended college at Charleston, and we just fell in love with the city. And then when our youngest, our son, went off to college, we became empty nesters, and we said, well, you know, know, let's, let's take a shot at this. So we we bought a house in Charleston and we you know, commuted for about uh, six years. And then last December, we sold our house in Phoenix and we now live in Charleston full time. Um, two of our kids live here uh, and our oldest is married and, and uh, they have a son. So we're, we're brand new grandparents. So oh. uh, life, life is very good. Life is very good. Oh, good. And it's such a beautiful area. I love um South Carolina in, in general, um, but Charleston is is a g- gorgeous place to to be. And congratulations on your your new grandbaby. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, th- yeah, that's an exciting time of life. <laughs> it is, it is, and and and, and every we have you know, friends of ours who uh, became grandparents before we did, and and everything they said about becoming grandparents is absolutely true. It's it's wonderful. You get all the joy, and then when they get tired and cranky, you just get to hand them back to mom and dad. So it's perfect. <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. Um, so let's talk a bit about blood in the low country. Um, as a southern girl who was raised on the coast of North Carolina, um, your book highly appeals to my senses. <laughs> And oh, good. so, yes. And so I, I saw one reviewer wrote sitting in my reading chair far from Charleston, I could hear the cicadas, taste the shrimp and grits, even feel the humidity. <laughs> I just love it. Blood in the Low Country transported me to 
culture, religion, and family history nearly always combine to determine destiny. <laughs> that is such a great, um, it kind of gives you a, a good picture of, of what you're getting ready to get into. And um, so talk about, uh, again, talk about what inspired this book. Well, um, you know, I'd had a full career in the business world and uh, was fortunate I had an opportunity to start a couple of businesses uh, along the way, but that's an all-consuming process, and frankly, I had grown weary of it, burned out, uh, didn't want to, you know, do that again, and, <laughs> but yeah, was was too young to retire and certainly, you know, didn't want to, you know, quote, go fishing every day or play golf every day, so you know, I was looking for other uh, pursuits and, um, you know, I did a little consulting and frankly, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I was very good at it because I didn't really have much joy at it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I got to always talking about, uh, you know, I'd finish a book and I'd say, wow, that was a great book. Or I'd finish a book and I go, good grief, I could have done that. And so I joked that my wife got sick and tired of hearing me say that. So she finally <laughs> just said, well, why don't you either do it or move on? So um, I said, you know, I think I will give it a shot. So uh, I, I literally started the process of trying to figure out how does one write a book? You know, I'd written in every career I was, I'd ever had. I was a lawyer for a couple of years. And, you know, as a small business guy, you basically do everything. So I wrote everything or not everything, but a great deal of what the companies I was involved with produced, I had written. So writing wasn't foreign to me, but um, uh, telling a story was. So I got to you know, reading a lot of books and blogs on how to write a book. And, you know, there's a lot of advice out there. And I'd say most of it's pretty good. Some of it you can throw away. But some of the recurring advice was, you know, write what you know. So I knew what it meant to grow up in the South, mm-hmm. what it meant to, you know, go to church and then go to the brunch afterwards, what it meant to vacation in the low country and and, um, you know, what it meant to, to eat, uh, you know, uh, fried and over buttered food your entire <laughs> life. And, uh, and I loved all those things. So I, I, I uh, and Charleston is a beautiful city. So determining a site for the book um, was easy. And um, I, I had an idea then of, um, you know, a family drama um, and, you know, the protagonist in the book, a man named Monty, you know, he's married, has a couple of kids. And the, and the, the challenge in his life is to understand how he can both honor his wife, but not test his children when it appears at times it's impossible to do both. Mm. And he's pulled greatly. And uh, his wife brings a lot of, you know, you, today we would use the word baggage, brings a lot mm. of baggage to the marriage. And so blood in the low country, the blood is supposed to, to symbolize both family, blood, mm-hmm. uh, but also a murder. There is mm. a murder that um, turns the lives of a couple of families upside down. And then the rest of the story is, uh, uh, you know, an exploration of how it turns their lives upside down, uh, who survives and thrives and who withers away. Uh, the hunt for the real killer, um, et cetera. So mm. the, but the, uh, the murder is not glamorized. It happens off scene, um, but it does 
know, tear the lives, uh, you know, tears at the fabric of the uh, of these two families' lives. Right, and that's that's really interesting. The I, I love how you relate the the blood back to both, and and how trauma can uh, totally um, flip our worlds upside down. And um, so this is I, I'm really excited to read this book. Um, are your characters based? How did you come up with your characters? Well, we, as we all know, when you write fiction, any resemblance to persons dead or alive is is purely accidental. Right. Uh, but that being the case, I don't know how you could write a book without the people that you've known uh, mm-hmm. influencing the characters. So, a- absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you could look at any, you know, you could look at any character. I can look at any character and go, "Oh, I see a little bit of so and so, and a little bit of so and so, a little bit of so and so in this character." And, but typically with fiction, um, you, know, you have to sort of um, sensationalize or stereotype some characters. It makes it more interesting, makes it, uh, you know, for the reader, they can immediately draw on their understanding of that stereotype, kind of helps play it out for you. Um, I'd say the, the one character that bears the most resemblance to anybody would have, is, is the protagonist, Monty. Um, and he would be, you know, there's a good bit of my father in the character of Monty, mm-hmm. uh, humble, uh, very hardworking, uh, loved his baseball, um, and, uh, you know, active in the church, but, um, um, you know, I, I yes, um, you know, both the good parts and the frustrating parts of Monty, you would, I, I can certainly point to my father very lovingly and say, yep, that's my dad. So, but other than that, everybody else is an amalgamation of just, you know, people that you come across. Right. Well, Except- I think that that goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, right about what you knew, know. And I remember one of the best pieces of advice um, and I was a creative writing major many, many, many years ago. And one of my professors, that was basically his, his motto, his mantra that um, you could travel all over the world. You can do all of these things, but the best writing is going to come from inside of you and what you personally know, what your personal um, experience is going to enhance that. So um, I think that's a wonderful way to develop a, a character and also in honoring someone that you love. So I, I love that. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I thank you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that transition from your career in business to becoming a novelist. <laughs> Um, well, it was, it was, um, uh, it was difficult and, and, and it's, I, I can look back on it now and, um, and, and it's funny, I look back on now and I almost feel like I'm you know reading a book or watching a movie about me, you know, making the transition, uh, the things that surprised me along the way, frankly, shouldn't have. Um, and I'd say one of them is simply, that selling books is, is, you know, the business side of it. Mm. Uh, it's very challenging, very challenging. <laughs> but the writing process, um, you know, I think um, I, I, you know, I enjoy learning. I, I, you know, I not just me. A lot of us enjoy, you know, learning something. And 
And I had the good fortune of being able to be involved in a number of different types of businesses and different industries. And so I would always just immerse myself in this new market, who the customers, competitors were, et cetera, et cetera, jump all in, learn about it. And, you know, and away we go, fingers crossed and, you know, and hope revenue succeeded expenses. But there was always, there was a method to it. I, I knew how to go about it. I knew, okay, I need to go to these trade shows. I need to, you know, talk to customers. So I understood the method of figuring out how to, you know, start a business in a particular industry. I knew, understood how to raise money. I understood, I understood it. And so I could go about it. So then I come to the process of writing a book. I, I, I have no idea how to write a book. I've read them. So I understand, you know, and I, I was a finance major in college, but I, I did have English classes along the way. I understood character and I understood, you know, conflict and resolution. I remembered some of this stuff, but, but, but I was so far away from knowing how to, you know, write a book. And I joke about the blank sheet of paper, literally and figuratively, I'm staring at this. And I'm like, how do you start? How do you write a book? And um, so I, and, and then the, the idea that, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the desk or wherever I'm going to write, and I'm going to be creative now. Well, it's not like it's switched that you can flip. At least it isn't for me. Um, others who have made a, uh, a career of this or who were just naturally gifted, uh, quite possibly it is. Um, so I think part of the, the real challenge was just knowing how to start, knowing, and, and, and at some point trusting that the, that it would all come together. Um, but I think it was literally just trying to figure out what to do. Right. And part of it is just doing it. Don't you agree? (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, just doing it. And, and, um, you know, how many words did you write today? And, and having these goals, which I think is a, a healthy goal, gives you something. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing where to start, or the other thing I think was was a, a frustrating for me was uh, when I came from the business world, I could look at it. You know, after having been in the business world for a while, I could look at a task and I could I could mentally go, okay, that's I, I, that's a half hour, or that's fifteen minutes, or I need two hours of the door shut, or that that's ten minutes, whatever. I could look at stuff and plan my day and tick things off and move on and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'd sit down to do what I was trying to do and not even knowing what you were going to write that day or where the story was going to end, who was going to live, who was going to die. Um, a tremendous amount of this was just literally, you know, on the fly. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a totally different process <laughs> from anything I'd ever been involved with. Um, right. Not always very pragmatic and <laughs> yeah. you, you can be and be very disciplined. I'm not the, the greatest example of that, <laughs> but um, definitely I think that um, folks who are, I'm a children's book author. I, I'm an aspiring novelist, but um, you know, when I published my book, it was such an eye opener to the business side and the marketing piece of selling books. Um, And I had done some research, but (laughs) not nearly enough to really understand. And you don't understand really until after you've published. Um, 
all of that goes in to, to that. So um, I, I, I love that. And I love that also um, leaving uh, such a, a, a career in business and then going to such a creative outlet um, and showing other people that they can too. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, it was um, certainly a challenge. And um, as far as the creativity side is concerned, um, I'm of the uh, opinion that, um, you know, we're all creative in one way or mm -hmm. another. And I, I think mm -hmm. that all too often we think of people that are creative and we, we only think of, quote, the arts. Um, but I, I think that I, some of the most creative people I've met are in the business world and they have a problem to solve and they have mm -hmm. to, they have a limited budget and they have to go, okay, we have to be able to ship this widget across country, uh, but we can't spend more than, you know, $3 and 63 cents in packaging and it's got to look good and it's got to get there securely, uh, safely. Okay. Get busy. Um, right. you, you have to be creative to solve uh, business problems, uh, especially, um, it, it, you know, money is limited. You know, you have to, you have to budget and allocate how you spend money and, and that will drive creativity when you've got to solve a problem. So um, I think for anyone out there that goes, oh, I could never write mm -hmm. a book or paint a painting or do quote anything sure. that's creative, I would challenge them to, to look back at what they've done in their career and they, if they were honest with themselves, they would say, yeah, I, I, I had to be creative to deal with that customer or to solve that problem. So sure. I think we're all creative. I, th I agree with that 100%. You just have to take the time to believe in yourself enough that you can do it and you just have to do it. That's, that's the thing, putting either the, your um, paintbrush to, <laughs> to paint yeah. on a canvas, right. And trying and, and practicing um, just, um, and it even goes, I think of my, my parents after they retired, my dad was always very handy. He worked in government, um, judicial services for 30 years, retired. And um, he was um, a build, loved to build. And um, he built, literally built their retirement home um, on the Pamlico River in eastern North Carolina. And, you know, it, that is creativity. That, Unbelievable. You know, like yeah. a, a, it, that is something beyond me because I know I can't do that. <laughs> no, I, I have um, such I, I stand in awe of, uh, of you know, of, of people that can work with their hands that can build something. Um, my wife and I, um, we remodeled um, a home here in Charleston. The house was built in 1890 mm. and it leans and we have the original <laughs> fireplaces and the original wood floors. And so we, we undertook this process and we, we had craftsmen that were working, uh, you know, on the house and, uh, I was just in awe. They would stand in a room. We'd be looking at this room. You know, the, the, the none of the walls are square. We want to put some built-in bookshelves and such. And they would look at it and they would pull out and, and they'd start, you know, just making sketches on the wall and measuring this or that. They go, okay, we got it. We come back, you know, four or five days later and it's done. Yeah. And, and you look and you go, 
how did you guys do that? And I was just in awe. So, yes. So, you know, I love that in any capacity of creativity, you know, it's just putting your mind to, to believe in yourself and just, just to do it, just to try. What, um, what particular advice do you have for aspiring novelists? Well, um, it kind of goes um, uh, somewhat hand in hand what we're talking about. Um, I, when, when I started this book, we were living in, in um, we, we, we were spending a lot of time in Charleston. And so I would walk to a library that was less than 10 minutes from the house because our, our house was you know, kind of tiny where we were living. I had no room other than a kitchen table. So I would sit at this, this table in the library and I literally just started it and I was just really depressed because nothing was happening. I, I couldn't get the war. I, I just really couldn't start. And by a chance introduction, uh, we had been introduced to a couple that had moved here. And so Lynn and I were anxious to meet new folks. And so we're at dinner and they were um, they were a little bit older than us. And so they had all officially retired. But the, the husband came from a career as a film editor in, you know, in, Holly, in Hollywood. And so he's like, he's asked me, so, Paul, what are you doing? So he was like the, one of the first people I told, uh, other than my wife and kids, that I was going to write a book. And since we knew no one in common, I kind of thought he was a safe place to share this with. And I said, I'm trying to write a book. I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, based on his career, he, he had a pretty good understanding of uh, storytelling. And he said, don't try to write the book start to finish. Just write. Just mm. sit down and just write. And you'll stitch it together later. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, wow. I think he was right. I was trying to write the book beginning to end. And then what happens? And then what happened? And so I went back to the library the next day, sat down, and I began to write. And, I, and, and it happened. And it was like, Five days later, I had, you know, eight, nine, 10,000 words. And I go, wow, it happened. And, you know, I didn't keep all those words. And some of those scenes got moved here and moved there. But um, when I'm experiencing, you know, writer's block or procrastination or, or whatever you want to call it, I have to remember that advice. Sit down and just write. I might throw away those first words, but it gets me out of the gate. And maybe by paragraph two or three, I'm writing something that that's germane and that I'll keep. And and then and like this morning, I wrote a scene for my next book. I don't exactly know where it's going to go. I know it's a scene that has to happen, but I haven't figured out yet how the story is going to be told. But it's but I like what I wrote, and so I always just go back to that. Just write and uh, stitch it together later. Yes. Do you? plan um do you have like a specific time there was a um a romance novelist um that i uh recorded with a few months ago and claire kane and she has published 12 books in the past just few years i I, I don't like her already yes no i (laughs) she um, is it was is very um, structured and uses it as 
you know, her job, she has very um, structured hours of when she writes and makes herself write. Are you, do you do something like that? Or is it just more when you feel like it or have time? Um, it is, um, I'm not nearly as disciplined as she is, not by <laughs> no, a long shot. No, most um, of us aren't. <laughs> no, most of us aren't. But that being the case, the answer to your question is yes. Um, I, I, I do my, um, it's in the morning, first thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wake up, make the coffee, do some light stretching to get the heart pumping, you know, a little quiet time. And then I, and then I'll go to the desk. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is where I, I the, the next five minutes then will determine what kind of day I have. If I make a mistake and look at my inbox or I check my email, yeah. I could, I could spend 45 minutes going down a <laughs> rabbit hole or doing mm-hmm. something that really wasn't time critical that could have waited. Mm-hmm. But if I start writing right then, then I'll have uh, a better likelihood of having a good writing day. Now that being the case, um, uh, oftentimes, you know, quote, the, the idea uh, doesn't happen. I'm not quite sure where the story is going. And um, I may not get much written or I may write a bunch of stuff that gets thrown away. But then po- quite possibly later in the afternoon, if I'm exercising, going for a run or something, uh, the idea all of a sudden I'll go, wait a minute, that can work. So I find that even when I'm not, quote, being productive, um, it might get the brain you know, mm-hmm. working in such a way so that later on when I'm not thinking about it, that's when something will pop into my head. And uh, I've gotten into the habit of, of basically emailing myself because I don't, I can't rely <laughs> upon my memory anymore. Yeah. And I just email myself um, you know, just enough to remind myself of what I was thinking about. Yes. I love the um, notes feature on my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly writing myself notes and emailing them to me. So that is awesome advice and awesome advice too, that when you were clear headed in the morning, you know, you've had a good night's sleep and to eliminate those distractions that we're so programmed to go right to these yep. days. Right. But that yep. is that is great advice. Um, and then you mentioned a new book, so let's talk about that. Well, the <clears throat> the the new uh, book two um, is, uh, is is the working title of this book. So, um, but um, it's it, it is a sequel of sorts. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to you know, give away the the no, mystery no. or the ending in book one, <laughs> but uh, book two. You know, I've gotten enough positive feedback from uh, readers about what they're interested in and, and uh, that they enjoyed the book, et cetera. So book two is in the works. Uh, yes, there are some recurring characters from book one. Yes, it's a sequel of sorts, um, and it'll be based in Charleston, but uh, part of it is going to be based in the Bahamas. Mm. And uh, my wife and I, we just got back from about five days uh, in the Bahamas of research. (laughs) And um, it is. And and what it's one of these things, you know, I've relearned, no doubt, things I learned in ninth and 10th grade history, that when the Revolutionary War ended, um, the -hmm. British who were loyal to the crown, the Tories no longer felt welcome in the rebellious colonies Mm -hmm. and they fled. Mm -hmm. And a great many of them went to the Bahamas. Right. And and they ended up becoming effectively, you know, you know, it was a, it was part of the 
it was under the crown at the time. There was a governor there, mm -hmm. but not very populated. And the population was spread out over all these islands. So right. all of a sudden, you know, about 7,000 or so of these loyalists show up and uh, some, not all, brought slaves with them. And mm -hmm. it, 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 um, it impacted and, and affected greatly the, the trajectory of the Bahamas. Right. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, there, there might be some interplay between uh, the Charleston, the Bahamas and some of these families. Um, so anyway, we're, yes, we're working so on book There two. will be some, some historical fiction going on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're, My favorite. Um, <laughs> we're, you know, trying to figure out how to do that, mm -hmm. uh, how to weave the history in. Mm -hmm. um, Please and, tell and me the, there will be pirates. I, I, I that, that could be book three. I mean, there's, I was like, all right, the pirates have been done pretty well. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, so it's, but what's interesting is, and we just got back, you, you can go to the Bahamas and you'll meet people and they go, oh yes, if you follow my heritage, I can't, I, I'm a descendant of one of the loyalists. Mm -hmm. And they all know this, which I thought was really mm -hmm. fascinating. But mm. I think one of the other challenges is trying to write a book two that is standalone so that if a person picked up my second book, they could enjoy it without having read the first book. Um, mm. And that's, 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 um, you know, that's another challenge as well in this process, but right. uh, you know, people have done it. So yeah, I know it can be done. Sure. Well, go ahead and write it and get it published because I was just telling my husband yesterday, we were re reminiscing about our, a trip just a few years ago to the Bahamas and that we needed to go back. <laughs> so, yeah, I, absolutely. So, so I can pack it in my suitcase yeah. <laughs> and take Very it good. with me. <laughs> Very good. Well, oh my gosh, this has been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, and uh where can folks find blood in the low country so that they can buy it for their summer beach read? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, you can buy it, um, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's available, you know, a digital copy, Kindle or however, or Nook, however you read electronic books. Uh, it's also available in paperback and in hardback. Um, you can go to my website, uh, pauladaway.com and you can buy it through bookshop.org. Uh, bookshop um, and support local independent bookstores. But basically, you know, you just Google Paul Attaway and it'll come up, but it's, it's there at, at all the major um, online outlets available today. Sure. And for all of our listeners out there, I'll make sure to include Paul's um, website, um, his social media um links and places where you can purchase this fabulous book um i am very excited to hear that there is a book two coming and um congratulations paul and thank you so much for being a guest oh my pleasure i appreciate it thank you for having me on Sure. And thanks to all of my listeners out there. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today and go out and buy a copy of Blood in the Low Country. Um, sounds like a perfect beach read, like I was saying. And um, make sure to, to stay tuned for next time here on HodgePodge.